Hello and welcome to the House of Legends, where you can hear world myths and legends told by a professional storyteller. I'm your host Daniel Allison, and this is episode 59, Pueth and Aaron. If you're a new listener, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then hit subscribe now in your podcast app to make sure you don't miss an episode. On this podcast, you'll hear myths, legends, and traditional stories from myself and master storytellers from across the world. I release two episodes each month, one featuring a story from me and one featuring a story from a guest teller. As well as being an oral storyteller, I'm also an author and a storytelling coach. You can find my books by searching for Daniel Allison on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble and Waterstones, although currently you can only get my full catalogue on Amazon. You can get my free ebook, Silverborn, sent to you by email by visiting my website, houseoflegends.me. And if you have a Kindle or Kobo, you can get my book, The Shattering Sea, as a free download on those devices. If you're interested in becoming a storyteller yourself, or you're already a storyteller and would like to develop your craft, you can join my online storytelling school, The Roundhouse, or you can join my Myth Singers coaching program, which includes Roundhouse membership plus two monthly group coaching sessions with me. You'll find links to all of the above in the show notes. I have a little news about live events this week. I'm going to be taking part in Love, a storytelling celebration organised by the US National Storytelling Network and featuring amazing tellers from across the world. There's a family-friendly afternoon event, a story slam with prize money available, and an adults-only evening event. I'm in the family-friendly event, telling my story, The Six Swans. Come along, it'll be an incredible day. You'll find a registration link in the show notes. I want to tell you about my new Patreon structure. I'm now going to be offering a bonus episode each month to Patreon supporters. By pledging $5 or more each month, you'll get access to a bonus episode featuring a story from me. Some of these stories will take a lighter tone than those you normally hear on House of Legends. Others will be darker in tone stories I couldn't tell on the podcast for fear of scaring away new listeners. I'm also going to be very open to suggestions from patrons. As well as these extra episodes, I'll send you a worksheet for each patron-only story full of questions and creative prompts to help you to explore the deeper aspects of the story and the lessons it holds for you. My vision is that this will be a co-creative sharing for those of you who really enjoy what I do and want to support this podcast. I'll be listening closely to your feedback, what you like and what you want more of, so that together we can create something really special. The patron-only episodes will start in February, with these episodes releasing on the third week of the month in between our regular episodes. If you want to be a part of this, head on over to Patreon and sign up for only the price of a fancy cup of coffee. You'll find a link in the show notes. So, on to the story. It's New Year and I'm starting a new series. This is one I've had a lot of requests for. It's time for the Mabinogion. The Mabinogion is the earliest prose literature of Britain. The stories appear in two medieval Welsh manuscripts, the White Book of, and I don't know how to pronounce this word, Riddich, it looks like, um, which is dated to 1350, and the Red Book of Hergest, dated to 1382 to 1410. There are 11 stories, some of which feature King Arthur, and which have a huge range of narrative styles and tones, drama, humour, adventure, romance, tragedy, and so on. Lady Charlotte Guest rewrote these stories in Welsh and English between 1838 and 1845, 
She put them all in one volume in 1877, which is still used today. Uh, I used the fantastic 2008 edition by Shona Davies as my source text. The Welsh word Mab means son or boy or young person. So this is the root word of Mabinogion. But there is also Manipos, a Celtic deity of Gaul, which translates as the divine son. The book that we have today begins with four longer stories, known as branches, which are likely the work of one author, each of which end with, thus ends this branch of the Mabinogi. The Mabinogion has been rewritten as fantasy by Evangeline Walton, who influenced Christopher Paolini, author of Aragon, and was a major inspiration for the classic novel The Owl Service by Alan Garner. I'm going to be telling the four branches, broken down into sections as they are pretty long, and then I'll maybe carry on further, or maybe switch to something else, depending on how you're enjoying them. So now it's time for our story, the first part of the first branch of the Mabinogion. This is Pueth and Aaron. Long ago, and not so long ago, there lived in Dovith, in Wales, a prince named Puith. Puith liked being a prince. Year after year he toured the country, visiting his lords, hunting with them in the day and feasting and drinking in their halls by night. He was tall, he was handsome, his clothes were fine, and whether it was a serving wench or a nobleman's wife, there was always someone willing to warm his bed at night. One spring morning, Puth woke up early, seized by the urge to hunt. In the shadow time between night and morning, he slipped out of bed, dressed, saddled his horse and rode out into the forest, his hounds ahead of him. Into the awakening day he rode, and then barking, baying, his hounds had caught a scent. He saw its source, a stag, its antlers gleaming as it raced away into the green. The hounds gave chase, he urged his horse on, it galloped faster, and Puth was grinning, Puth was laughing, his blood was hot and the hounds were barking and he was alive. The stag gave good chase, Puth rode hard and his hounds were tireless but they could not catch it. Up ahead he glimpsed a glade among the trees. There he arrived, just after his hounds, to see the stag at the far end of the glade, encircled by another pack of hounds. And these hounds were unlike any hounds Puth had ever seen. Their fur was as white as snow. Their ears were the red of blood spilt on snow. Their eyes were as black as the crow that spilt the blood on the snow, and as Puth watched, the hounds lunged and brought the stag to the ground. Puth's wonder turned to anger. He wanted the stag. He would have it. The prince drove his hounds forward, so that they attacked the other pack, drove them away and set upon the stag themselves. And as they did so, 
a rider appeared from beneath the trees. This man was a king. He wore a fine grey cloak and a tunic that reminded Pueth of the mist on a midwinter dawn, and his silver jewels matched his silvery eyes. Those eyes were on Pueth as the dawn-clad king rode to meet him, and they were not friendly. I've been farther west than west, said the stranger. I've been farther east than east. I've been beneath the earth, I've been above the sky, and never have I seen such discourtesy as yours. You saw my hounds bring down the heart. You knew it was not yours, and yet you took it all the same. Puth's blood was cooling. He knew the stranger spoke truth, and was ashamed and said so. Can I make it up to you? he asked. The stranger smiled. Yes, you can. I am Aron, king of Anun, the other world. This is how you can repay me. My realm is at war with a neighboring king named Hafgan. He and I have a meeting arranged at a ford a year from this day. I wish for you to go to my realm and live as me. You will dine in my seat and sleep in my bed and dance with my wife and I shall give you my appearance so that all think you are me. Then, a year from this day, you shall go to the ford and fight Hafgan. If you win, you shall return to this place where we will meet again and your debt to me shall be repaid. But what about my own realm? asked Puth. I shall rule it for you. Appearing as you, said Aaron. Very well, said Puth. Aaron furrowed his brow. He spoke strange, scaled, sinuous words, and a moment later, Puth was Aaron, and Aaron was Puth. There is one thing you must know, said Aaron. When you fight Hafgan, you need only land one blow to defeat him. But if you strike him down, and then strike him again, he will rise up as strong as ever. You must only strike him once. Directions were exchanged. Their meeting a year hence was arranged, and when there were no more words to speak, Pueth mounted Aaron's horse and rode for Anun, the other world. He rode through the day, the white hounds ahead of him, and as the sun set and night spread its wings, he emerged from the trees to see Aaron's court before him. Aaron's hall was like his own hall, yet so unlike it. Its walls were not of stone but of clear crystal, its spires of silver and gold. On the lawns outside, musicians gathered to play and sing while children swam in pools. Puth made his way inside and came to the feasting hall. He threaded his way among the dancers until he came to the high table where a seat awaited him beside Aaron's wife. She was more beautiful than any woman on this earth. He sat down beside her, his food was served, and he and the Queen of Anun ate and drank, talked and danced deep into the star-bright night. Until... At last, they stood facing one another in the bedchamber. She looked at him with love, devotion, 
and desire in her eyes, and Puath had never wanted a woman more. Yet in her silvery eyes he saw Aaron reflected. He stepped close to her, feeling the heat of her breath upon his face. Yet in her silvery eyes he saw Aaron reflected, and he thought of the stag, of the hounds white as snow, of Aaron's nobility and his own shame, and he wanted such nobility for himself. Yet she was moving closer and closing her eyes, and her lips were red, and he had never wanted a woman more. He turned away from her, lay down in bed, and closed his eyes. The next day, Puath rose early to hunt while his wife still slept, and so his life in the other world began. He hunted, he caroused, he went to bed late, much as he had done in Doveth. Yet things were different here, and so was he. When he and his lords rested in the forest before returning from the hunt, each man would go off and sing among the trees, or put his feet in the river and listen to the music of the water, or listen to stories told by birds that alighted upon the grass. Aaron played the harp, and Puath got in the habit of taking Aaron's harp to a hillside by the sea, and there making music of the waves and the wind, the leaping dolphins and the white deer who lay down to listen. Each night, Aaron's wife gazed at him with naked desire. Each night, he desired her even more. Each night, he saw Aaron in her eyes and turned away from her. In the morning, he could not bear to lie beside her. So if he was not hunting, he went early instead to practice with his sword, learning from the warriors of Anun, all of whom were the finest he had ever seen. Yet all of them, spoke in hushed tones of Hafgan, whom no warrior had ever defeated. As the moons brightened and darkened, Puath learned much, yet a fear of Hafgan awoke in his heart, and grew, and would not sleep. The year that Puath passed at Aaron's court was the most joyful of Puath's life, but pass it must, and pass it did. The day of the jewel came around, and that morning the lords of Anun were gathered at court, ready to accompany their king to the ford. Out they rode, and when they reached the ford, their white hounds fell silent. Across the water stood Hafgan, his lords around him, his black sword in its sheath, his eyes upon Puath, and they were the eyes of a wolf as it corners its prey. Puath dismounted. He stepped into the stream. Hafgan moved to meet him. Strike but once, said Aaron in his mind, but do not strike again. Puath and Hafgan drew their swords and clashed together. Steel struck steel. Faster and faster they lunged and swung, ducked and parried. Their swords flew so fast that I could not see them, and yet Hafgan was laughing, and Puath was frightened, for he saw that Hafgan was toying with him. Now Hafgan had tired of play, and he drove at Puath, and Puath was forced backwards. He need only land one blow, and though he bled from a dozen wounds, he had landed none, and noon would fall. Puath knew it and it tore his heart. 
he spoke a farewell to that fair land in his heart. And it spoke back to him and told him what to do. He reached out to the trees. Give me strength, he said, and they gave him strength. He reached out to the hounds. Give me speed, he said, and as soon as they did, his strikes flew faster, his strikes fell fiercer. Reaching out to all that he loved in Anun, the stags and the oak trees, the queen and the towers of silver, Pueth filled himself with their strength. He grinned, he laughed, he would win, and so it was. Hafgan was falling back now. Pueth took his chance, he lunged and pierced Hafgan's armour. Hafgan crashed down on the shore, defeated. Well done, Naron, he said. Strike me again, and all this shall be over. Puath raised his sword. He must strike again. He must rid Anun of this evil. He wanted blood, he wanted death, and he would have them. He raised his sword higher, and saw Aran reflected in Hafgan's eyes. No, he said. The fight is done. Hafgan shrieked. A wind blew, and he dispersed as if made of dust. So it ended. Hafgan's lords swore loyalty to Aron. Hafgan's lands became Aron's, and Pueth rode to the meeting place where waited Aron. After telling their stories, they took their own forms again, and once oaths of friendship and brotherhood had been exchanged, Pueth rode home, his hounds ahead of him. On his way to his own hall, he stopped off at the hall of one of his noblemen, Tell me, he asked that man at the feasting table that evening, how would you describe my rule this last year? I'm glad you asked, said the nobleman, for I swear, never have I known you to rule so well. You have been generous but firm with your subjects, you have defended your lands, and all within them have prospered. He received the same answer at the next hall and the next. When he returned to his own hall, his mind was clear. He would rule as Aaron had done, and none would say that the next year was worse than the year that had just passed. Puth did just that, ruling as Aaron had ruled, and the kingdom continued to prosper. Aaron regularly rode out of Anun to meet Puth, for the two became firm friends, and the realms became so much alike, the people no longer called Puth. Prince of Dove, but Prince of Anun. So that was the story of Pueth and Aaron, the first part of the first branch of the Mabinogi. The other stories in the first branch do follow on from this story, but like this one, they can be enjoyed as individual entities. There's no one way of interpreting a story, but what this story says very powerfully to me is that the person we are at any given time is not the finished person. We can change, we can always evolve, 
and that more evolved part of us, or higher self you might call it, already exists. By acting like that person, walking and talking like that person, we can become that person. That's all for this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please support it by sharing it on social media, or even sharing the link with a few friends who enjoy a good story. I'd also really appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, as reviews really help the podcast to grow. You can get access to every House of Legends episode by becoming a patron. By pledging $5 per month or more, you'll receive a patron-only episode each month, along with a worksheet full of questions and creative prompts to help you deepen your connection to the story. If you like to read stories as well as hear them, you can find my books online by searching for Daniel Allison on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble and Waterstones, although currently you can only get my full catalogue on Amazon. You can get my free ebook, Silverborn, sent to you via email by visiting my website, houseoflegends.me. And if you have a Kindle or a Kobo, you can get my book, The Shattering Sea, as a free download on those devices. If you're interested in becoming a storyteller yourself, or you're already a storyteller and would like to develop your craft, you can join my online storytelling school, The Roundhouse, or you can join my Myth Singers coaching program, which includes Roundhouse membership, plus two monthly group coaching sessions with me. You'll find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time for more of the Mabinogion. Thank mm-hmm. you.